It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Locked On MLB Fantasy Minute is presented by Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the most fun I've had playing daily fantasy baseball and winning up to 25 times my money. Download the app today and use the code Locked On MLB for a first deposit match up to $100. Exploring my skills on Prize Picks this season adds an extra layer of excitement to daily fantasy sports. With just a few taps, you can transform $10 into $1,000 if you've got the skills. Prize Picks is incredibly user friendly. I can make my selections and submit my entry in less than 60 seconds. As the host of Locked On Fantasy Baseball, here are some rock solid picks. Opt for Shohei Otani to have less than 38.5 home runs this season. Opt for Bobby Miller to have higher than 150.5 strikeouts this season. And for Bryce Harper to have higher than 97.5 ribbies this season. Download the app today and use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Again, download the app today. Use the code LOCKEDONMLB for first deposit match up to $100. Pick more, pick less. It's that easy. At Highland, we're all about celebrating little wins and little ways to innovate digital processes. There's no customer pain point too small for us to help with. Maybe that's why more than half of the Fortune 100 looks to Highland to connect their content and data, improve processes, and turn little efficiencies into big wins for their customers and clients. Highland, intelligent content solutions for innovators everywhere at highland.com. And as everybody knows, we are still locked on Reds right here on this live edition of the YouTube show for a Aloha Friday edition. Carlton Van Hoy thinks that Jose Barrero may be the biggest shock in spring training. Uh, from what he's found out, he's been really uh, he's been really okay. He's really been okay uh, in uh, the winter leagues. And I agree. He's done well. I mean, he's, he's clearly changed his stance. If you see any video or pictures of Jose Barrero right now, he looks like a different guy at the plate. But the winter leagues are not the major leagues. And I understand that Jose's putting in the work. And I commend him for that because I think he, he like the rest of us, can see the writing on the wall. He needs to put in the work. But it's going to be all about how he delivers at the major league level. That's not spring training, folks. Uh, we've seen uh, in the form of pitchers going to spring training and striking out every single batter they face and then not being able to get an out when the season starts. We've seen hitters that just light the world on fire and can't hit the ball once the, the regular season starts because nobody's really playing at 100% in Goodyear. Nobody's playing at 100% spring training. They're working on things. They're tweaking things. They're trying to master a new pitch they're trying to tinker with their swings and get it dialed in the way that they want it those results don't matter a whole lot uh, unless you're having a true one-on-one well, -on -one competition for a position uh, the rest of that stuff really doesn't matter so for me uh, I'm glad he's I'm glad Carlton I'm glad that that Barrero is putting in the work I really am but I'm not going to put too much stock in it for what it means moving forward I do think that there is something to a normal year though for him think about the opportunities that he has had at the major league level like 2020 not a normal year 
and he gets called up from Prasco, not from the minor leagues. Uh, 2021, again, still a little bit of a weird year having to deal with the lockout and all that other stuff. And then 2022, you have the hamate bone injury that sets his season back and he has to do all this rehab and they send him down to AAA after his rehab and he doesn't hit very well. And then even though he's struggling in Louisville, they're like, Hey, come up to Cincinnati and sink or swim kid. Here we go. So now, and I still think that the timeline is very short for him. He does not have a huge hourglass with which to prove this, but he gets a normal season. He gets a normal spring training what happens in April? Like, do we still see him having the same struggles, swinging at everything low and away, not having a great batter's eye and not having great patience at the plate? If that continues, I think that the Reds do make a move. But if we see a different approach at the plate, and maybe not necessarily we have to see him like hit 300 or something like that, but if we see him approaching the game differently at the plate, I think that the Reds begin to say, okay, Maybe he's figuring something out here. But again, that's a lot of what can he do? This is all on Jose Barrero now at this point, because yes, the Reds have done him no favors in the positions that they've put him in in the past. But at this point in his career, it is Jose Barrero's time to figure it all out because the clock's ticking because Ellie De La Cruz is coming. And when he's up in the major leagues, he's either playing shortstop or he's playing somewhere else every day. He's not going to come up to sit on the bench and shake Jose Barrero's hand after every at bat. Yeah, that's that's true. And since Branch started all this, Jeff, I'll let him have this one, too. He says, before he forgets, Happy New Year. Uh, We did a great job this year, he says. Thanks, Branch. Appreciate you listening uh, and always enjoy following you on Twitter as well, Branch. Thanks so much. Uh, Kenneth checks in, says, hey, all happy Friday, Kenneth. Thanks for being here. Debbie Brown says that the owners don't matter to her. She's a Reds fan and is always going to try and get there. She's going to try and be there in September to see the Reds and the Mariners, or as I like to call them, the Reds and the Reds West. Uh, Debbie also (laughs) said somewhere else in the comments, and I saw it, Debbie. uh, She says, I'm going to eat my words. Well, let me tell you, it would not be a weekend podcasting if I didn't say at least five things that I had to eat later. I'm not <laughs> sure which particular thing that she thinks I'm going to have to eat my words on, but there's at least four others. Whatever she thinks plus four, uh, I'm, I'm positive that will eventually come around on me. But Debbie, we appreciate you. She's pinpointing you. you. I'm not sure what you said. I mean, if she was pinpointing me, I would say, okay, so what did I say to well, take see, the that's over what on? I and that's where exactly. I would be eating. Yeah, like what did I say to take the over on? But I don't remember what you said. Like I'm usually the right one. I don't understand. No. <laughs> <laughs> The Quirky Picker Chad checks in. Happy holidays from Pennsylvania. Looking forward to another great year of analysis. We are too. We are looking forward to 2023 while some are not. Look, Kenneth thinks you made a good point somewhere along the way. (laughs) Uh, I think he's talking about the ownership idea. And and I get it. Like, if you're going to buy a team, there's a bit of an ego there. Like, hey, yeah, I'm going to buy a team and turn them around. Like, there's there's a reason that Steve Cohen bought the Mets. Like, the Mets are one of the most just maligned franchises in all of sports, let alone baseball in general. So there's going to be a bit of an ego to that. But I think that there's an element of if you're going to have that ego, just give them a big budget and then sign a smart dude to run your front office and say, all right, smart dude, build me a team smartly with a blank check. 
did you pay all of your friends to be in the comments today? What the hell is going on? Michael Dyer <laughs> checks in, says Jeff is very insightful, insightful with three Fs. What is happening today? Oh my God. Charlie White. Hey, Charlie. Uh, he thinks the Reds are going to be okay this coming season. Uh, I agree. I, I know that uh, I don't think they're going to be as okay as Jeff does, but Charlie, I agree. I think they're going to be okay. I think they're going to be fun to watch. And I think they have an outside smidgen of hope of, of being relevant into September and, and battling for that final wild card spot depending on the pitchers uh kenneth checks in and says uh he wants yeah. to see these are his goals for 2023 he says i want to see players take steps forward this year at, at least much more than I, I care about the team step forward that's a great point i'm kind of there too the win win losses that's a bonus if they win 65 70 games great but i'm more interested in the the personal development development amongst those youngsters jeff amongst each of these guys as they bring them up and even the ones that don't come up this year i want to see noel v Marte make big strides so that we're pretty sure he'll be here in 2024 i want to see ces be positioned to if he's not here this season to be ready for 2024 those are the kind of things i'm really going to be looking at as far as uh, watching for development you said the magic words Noel V. Marte. I can't wait to see that in the major leagues. That dude absolutely crushes the ball. But, yeah, I, I am very intrigued, and I think the number one thing that I can think of, and, and look, if, if these guys take the steps personally in their careers in 2023, then the Reds will take steps as a team. But looking at each individual person, the one thing that I'm really excited about the most is to see how often and how consistently that Hunter Green can command his fastball. Because if he does that, then we are talking about the just sky-high expectations that we placed upon him last year. And I'm not going to get into that. I know that you have told me before that you were tired of hearing about my absolute optimism when it comes to the future of Hunter Green. But if he gets that fastball to the point where he can say it's going right there and it's going right there at 102 and you're not going to hit it like he was doing in his last handful of starts in 2022, Oh, baby, we are talking about some good things. Well, I know that, that Nick Lodolo and Hunter Green are good friends. They spend a lot of time together. If you watch during the course of broadcasts, whenever they show one and the other's not pitching, they're sitting next to each other. Uh, mm -hmm. they, they seem to hang out a lot. And I, excuse me, it is my hope that they have a friendly, uh, you know, good buddy rivalry going where, you know, anything you can do, I can do better. And they go and try out and, and one up each other throughout the season because that means we have two number one starting pitchers in this rotation and and i'll be here for that for sure you got two guys that are like batman and robin but yeah we both want to be batman so can't wait to see how that wow. all plays out look at you finding ways to sneak in your comic book takes very good <laughs> very very good ronnie snyder makes a great point jeff and let's spend a few minutes on this this year will more than likely be the end of one reds legend career in joey Votto. it will be the beginning of another future reds legends career in la de la cruz it's very uh it's very interesting how this is all playing out because we've we've talked for a while now of who was going to be the next face of the franchise? Who was going to be the next guy, the one to take over for Joey Votto? And I know that Joey was never super vocal as far as being like the guy out in front talking all the time. But most baseball fans in the country, when you said Joey Votto, they thought Cincinnati. They associated mm -hmm. him as being the guy for the Reds. 
And that's only improved with uh, Joey's uh, new uh, undertakings on social media and his mic'd up moments on national broadcasts and things like that. So all that being said, you know, we speculated, well, it'd be Tyler Stevenson. It could be Jonathan India, but the timing, you know, if Ellie De La Cruz does what he has been doing uh, at every level of baseball and comes up and, you know, has a, a, a noise making uh, debut campaign, uh, he could almost instantly uh, 2024 become that new guy. And uh, uh, we could see a, a changing of a guard, the passing of the torch, however you want to put it. But uh, this could be Ellie De La Cruz's team right out of the gate. I I want to split this up into two things because I think you're right. I think that Ellie De La Cruz can really take that torch very quickly. I mean, probably next year if he gets it all figured out as quickly as we think. But we'll get to that in just a moment because he had something there talking about the last year of a Reds legend. And I think I've I've settled on the odds being 50-50 that this is his last year. And the reason that I put 50-50 is simply because of him. I'm not saying that the Reds are going to pick up that option. I think that there's a 0% chance that they do. And, and just in case you don't know, this is the last guaranteed year of Joey Votto's contract. He has a team option, but the team option, if picked up, pays him $20 million next year. The Reds are not going to do that. But there is a possibility that Joey Votto has the kind of year that we are thinking he can do and be like a comeback player of the year, force the Reds' hand, and begin some sort of negotiation to return for next year at less than $20 million. And I still say that that's a 50-50 shot because he has said he wants to be a career Red. He wants to retire as a Cincinnati Red. And whenever someone asks, because we always say, and we we put this on Joey Votto, this is not something he has said, but when we talk about Joey Votto, we say, oh man, he should go get a championship somewhere. He has never said that. And in fact, his response to those questions has always been, I want to win a championship here. I want to build a, a World Series team here. I don't want to go somewhere else and get a ring with someone else. I want to retire red. I want to win here. Now, whether or not he wins here is not the question the question is will he be back next year and i think that there's a 50 50 shot he can be that's an interesting take uh it, it wouldn't hurt my feelings for sure but um i think it's more than likely yeah joey Votto does want to be a career red but i think more than he wants to be a career red he wants to play and he said that during mm -hmm. his his field of dreams on field mic'd up when he was talking with the national broadcast team he's like i want to play and that, I mean, that's what he said. That's a quote, folks. I want to play. And, you know, I texted Direct you, Jeff, quote. at the time and said, you know, he just told Bob Castellini to pick up his option. That's what that was. And it'll be interesting. If they don't pick up his option, uh, I think he'll want to play more than he'll want to be a career red. And I could see that's him going someplace and compete. And somebody brought this up the other day too. And I think that that's an interesting thing. We haven't seen it in a while. And I don't know if the Reds would be want to do this, but maybe they work out a deal where it's like, yeah, you play for one or two more years as a Red and we pay you that $20 million prorated over five, six, seven years. I don't necessarily know if they're going to do a that. King, a King Griffey Jr. deal. You want it right. to be Joey Votto day instead of Bobby Bonilla day. I see where you're right. going with this which I wouldn't mind that at all. But um, if that if that gets the job done, then the Reds should absolutely do that. 
James Berryman checks in, Jeffrey, and says Mike Siani has a chance to be a good player. And I think you're maybe a little higher on Mike Siani than I am. Uh, I don't think he got really an opportunity to show us anything. He got that little cup of coffee at the end of last season. And I think he only got that because it was either him or you playing center field at that point. There was nobody left. Uh, I think Taylor Motter was the next guy. I don't know. It was going to be really bad. So that's why Siani got the call up. That being said, I mean, he still has some room to develop. There's still a little area between where we think he's at right now and what his ceiling could be. And I think that by cup of coffee, I think you actually mean like a cup of espresso, like one of those little two ounce things. Like he was up for 20 seconds, probably played for 10 of those seconds. And then the season ended just because the Reds didn't really see him as part of the plan last year. And they called him up out of necessity, not necessarily because he was ready to take that next step. I wonder how much of a chance they're going to be like he might slot into the group of players like we always thought that max schrock was going to take a step and he kept getting hurt but he just never had that opportunity to do that we always think that alejo lopez has a chance to take that next step but he's just not ever going to get the opportunity to do that is mike siani the next guy to jump into that group of he's very interesting he is amazing in the field absolute gold glove caliber defense like fast good arm good like takes good routes to the ball out in center field all of that great stuff there has been many a people uh scouts fan graphs folks our buddy doug over at redsminorleagues.com says he can't hit and that was he can't hit when he's in dayton that's not he can't hit because we saw it last year that's in the minor leagues he was very inconsistent and tom nichols also told this told us this as well is that if he ever figures out how to hit he can be a very good center fielder it's just he does not necessarily have that tool and he would have to develop it. So I'm not sure that I'm as bullish on Siani as I once was simply because of talking to other folks that have watched him for much longer than I have. BR seven weighs in on our discussions of Stevenson and Indy and says they both just had super bad luck that uh, that pretty much lines up with what you said earlier, Jeff. Uh, I, I agree with that. Ronnie Snyder. Uh, called me out. I, I completely forgot to mention Joey Votto when I was talking about All-Stars uh, in 2023. Uh, Jeff and I both agree that we think Joey Votto will be a candidate for Comeback Player of the Year. We have both learned not to count Joey Votto out. Do you think he can put up a first half that would warrant an All-Star appearance? I think it's. I think he has to play on opening day. Like if he doesn't, there's something to the thought like and i think we're being optimistic saying that he's going to play on opening day i think that there's a better than zero percent chance he misses opening day and i think if he misses opening day he might miss the first couple weeks of the season still rehabbing from that surgery so i i I wonder about that because and and let's even expand this out a little bit more every team gets an all-star and i I don't want to have the conversation on whether that's deserving or not. That's just how it is. But every team gets an all-star. Do the Reds have more than one all-star this year? 2023? Uh, yeah. There's a lot of if with it. I mean, if India is healthy, if Stevenson is healthy, if Green and Lodolo continue to move forward, all four of those guys could be all-stars. Joey Votto, if he plays from opening day and 
does what we think he's going to do, could be an all-star. So that's five guys right there. Uh, and that doesn't even count if Alexis Diaz continues to pitch the way that he did at the end of last season, moving into this season. He could be a guy that can make the all-star team as well. Now we're at six. Uh, I think they'll have more than one. I don't think they'll have six uh, because, boy, that would be a hell of a parlay playing off, paying off if all of those guys hit six all at the guys. same time. That'd I could be- retire. I could retire, Jeffrey. This would be my last show. That would be it. But no, I yeah. think that I think it's realistic to say they will have two to three all-star representatives. I'm yeah. thinking one of the starting pitchers, one of the position players, and then maybe a third guy plays his way into the conversation as well. Maybe Alexis Diaz. I, I wonder a little bit. The only thing that gives me pause because I'm like, yes, yeah, Stevenson has the talent. India has the talent. Here's the problem. And something that we don't like to talk about a lot when it comes to the all-star game. Fan voting. Dodgers fans, stuff the ballot boxes. Mm. Atlanta fans, stuff the ballot boxes. Sean Murphy, Will Smith, legitimate chances that they make the all-star team over Tyler Stevenson. Almost no matter how good Tyler Stevenson is. Uh, You talk about Ozzy Albies. You talk about Gavin Lux. I'm trying to think who plays second base for the Dodgers. But, yeah, like the hardest part about getting more than one red all-star is that the Reds – are going to have to generate enough buzz with Red's country to make them want to stuff the ballot boxes for their guys and show up and vote for them. Because if we're kind of limping through the first half of the season, there's going to be a lot of folks that are just like, yeah, whatever. And that's going to be the toughest part to getting multiple all-stars. But I think I agree with you. I think that there will be two all-stars for the Reds. And I think that if there is three, it's going to be Alexis Diaz is the third. All right. Joseph Nelson checks in, Jeff. He says, hey, guys, are there any other free agents out there that our Reds can sign? Or do we think uh, that the Reds are done signing free agents? Uh, Well, well, Joseph, uh, and thanks for commenting and and watching, Joseph. Uh, Nick Kroll said after the Kurt Casale signing and the Will Myers signing that any additional free agent signings uh, were going to involve creativity. Uh, It sounds to me like uh, Nick has spent everything that the SOB, uh, that son of Bob, Phil Castellini is willing to spend. Uh, Also bearing in mind that he somehow managed to get Phil to write a $22 million (laughs) check to Mike Moustakis. So uh, I think maybe we'll see uh, some minor league signings with invitations to spring training that are you know, incentive laden deals. If they make the team kind of deals, I don't think the reds are going to go out and make any more quasi splash signings the rest of the off season. Let's do this. And obviously this is hypothetical because we know the answer to what happened here, but would you have rathered the reds kept Mike Moustakis on the roster and signed Johnny Cueto? Hmm. Because there's a chance that that money was there and then they're just like, no, okay, we'll go ahead. We'll spin it now. We'll get Moose off the roster, open up third base for Spencer Steer. And, and that's kind of probably our last act here when that's it comes a, to spending that much money. That's a good question. And it's a hard question. I think at the end of the day, uh, I prefer how they did it. Musakas needed to go. So. He was in the way. He was going to be a, a, a distracting sideshow if he was on this roster. So I, I'm glad they just got rid of it and cut ties. Uh, 
you know, do I believe that there's not money there to still sign Johnny Cueto? No, I think there's money there. They just don't want to do it. But that being said, I would imagine as good a year as Cueto had. And I know there was some speculation about there being a reunion. But bear in mind, folks, the Reds almost never have leaks when it comes to signing players. We're always right. just surprised. We're always caught off guard. And anytime you see anything about so-and-so being linked to the Reds, it's coming from an agent. It's coming from another team trying to, to muddy the waters for a rival. It's never the Reds leaking that information. So I don't think the Reds were anywhere near as close to signing Johnny Cueto as we all would like to hope they were. Uh, I think Johnny Cueto wants to take what little bit of baseball he has left in that arm and go pitch for a winner. I, that's really my suspicion. He's not a Scott Boris client, is he? I'm just looking this up now. No, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. Um, it wouldn't surprise me. While you're looking for that, Wayne G says, let's shock the world and make the playoffs like we did in 1990. Uh, from your lips to God's ears, my friend, uh, okay. I would love to shock the world. That'd be great. And I did confirm he's not a he's not a Scott Boris client, but still like, yeah, I think every agent knows how to play the system. He's probably and, and, and like you said, like he pitched well enough. I think there's a contender that's probably looking at mm -hmm. Johnny Cueto. If nothing else but to bolster their rotation. Like, if the Reds are looking at him as rotation depth, everybody's looking at him as rotation depth. YouTube commenter extraordinaire, John Park. We love you, John. Thanks for watching the show. Uh, he checks in and says, what are the chances a good hitting coach makes Jose Barrero into a good hitter? This is one of those rare exceptions. You know, Jeff, you and I talk about this where, you know, these guys are major leaguers. The hitting coaches can maybe help them make a tweak, but, you know, these guys know how to hit already or they don't. Uh, the pitching, the hitting coaches don't make much of a difference. This is a rare mm -hmm. exception to that, I think. And not uh, in as much as the regular season. Uh, Jose Barrera is not going to come into the start of 2023 and sit down with the new uh, hitting coaches and suddenly have an epiphany. I do know that during this offseason, we've been seeing the big changes in Barrero's swing, and that is a result of working directly with hitting coaches to get himself fixed before the season starts. So... Uh, so two answers to your one question, John. Uh, in season 2023, can the new hitting coach make a big difference? No, I don't think so. But during this offseason, the work that's being done in the winter leagues, can that make a difference? Can those hitting coaches make a difference? Absolutely. Bobby Nightingale had an article talking about before heading to Puerto Rico, Joel McKeithen traveled down to Miami to work with Jose Barrero and get him kind of situated and get him set up for the changes that he needs, needs to work on and the tweaks he needs to make during the Puerto Rican winter league. And they talked about, you know, how he raised his hands in the batting stance, how he changed his leg kick to more of a toe tap and, and changing his timing at the plate. So I think that the Reds are putting in the work now and Joe McKeithen, the Reds new hitting coach this year is putting in the work now and we'll see whether or not that pays off in spring training and early on in the season next year. Joseph Nelson commenting on Jose Barreau says, you know, he would miss that uh, pitch low and away by two feet. And do you think moving closer to the plate would help? Now, obviously I'm not a major league hitting coach, but I think Jose Barreau's problems have been relating to 
pitch recognition and then pulling the trigger on him. I don't think being closer to the plate would help him with that. I think it increases the odds of him taking one in the chin uh, guys coming inside on him. Uh, it's really about pitch recognition. He has to get better at recognizing that pitch and dial his swing in, in such a way that he can get around on the ball. I don't think uh, his depth in the batter's box, either left to right or, or front to back is going to help him with that. It, it's more about seeing the ball out of the pitcher's hand. There may be something to this now, necessarily not necessarily getting rid of the low and away slider is a problem that just changes his perspective and, and pitchers may just throw the slider further outside the batter's box. But another pitch he has problems with is the, the two seam, the, the circle change, the pitch that breaks in toward him that they throw low and inside. He has a hole in his swing there where he always swings over top of it. So I wonder if moving closer to the plate would do that, but I don't necessarily think that that is a focus so much as what they have done changing his timing and changing where his hands are because as i showed and i deleted the picture off of our thing so i don't have it but as i showed in the picture difference like last year he had his hands down here and as he started his swing and this and during the puerto rican winter league he's having them up here now so it's it's a difference in just how he sets up as the pitch comes to the plate and i i wonder how much of a change that's going to give him i hope it's a lot <laughs> he's a lot right. Ronnie Snyder's following along on this, this coach's thread, you know, with all the new coaches, perhaps kids like Jose could benefit from their knowledge. You know, I, I think that with all of the youngsters that are coming up, the, the coaching staff's more important in 2023, 2024 uh, than they've been in a while. I think mm -hmm. when you have a lot of major league veterans on your team, the coaching staff, I mean, you know, we like to harp on the manager and the manager can cost you a win or two throughout a season, can gain you a win or two throughout the season. But at the end of the day, it's really about the players. And this is going to be one of those rare instances where you have a very large core of young, moldable guys. So I, I'm glad that the Reds made the, the change in the coaching when they did. If there was going to be a change, I'm glad they did it before all of the young talent came up rather than start teaching them one way, start setting expectations one way and then changing all the guys and then making them do things all different. That's how you screw up guys. So I'm glad the reds made the changes when they did. And, and I, and to, to Ronnie's point, I do hope that that helps the players develop faster, seeing a few different uh, perspectives, getting some outside eyes looking in on, on what these young prospects are trying to do. And I think I mean, we, we talked more in depth about the coaching changes. I think it was about a month ago on the pod, but I think that the Reds had recognized a need where they had a couple of coaches that weren't necessarily in their wheelhouse. Like, you know, they had an infielder as an outfield coach. They had a pitching or a former pitcher as a assistant hitting coach, different things like that. And they've kind of cleaned that up. They've, they've put people in the right spot where they can make the biggest difference. And I think that we'll see, uh, that change throughout the season. It's definitely not going to be evident early on. It's going to be something that you need to have a much larger sample size to really understand the effects of. Jeff, what do you know about Fernando Cruz? Uh, Joseph Nelson checks in and says that uh, Fernando had a great season down in Louisville, uh, but he doesn't hear us talking about him uh, making our bullpen. You got thoughts on Fernando Cruz? I do, and I, I heard the other day from a guy who covers, I believe he's down in the Mexican Winter Leagues right now, but uh, Fernando Cruz is continuing his dominance, actually. I think he's only given up like one or two runs 
in something like, you know, like 12 or 13 innings down there in the winter league. So I, I love to hear that from him. I don't necessarily know that he has that high of a ceiling. And especially if we have guys like Lucas Sims and TJ Antone and Tony Santion come back and return to some kind of form, then we're not necessarily going to need Fernando Cruz to be that big, but he could be a solid middle relief option for the team because he was a super surprise last year whenever he came up because pretty good. Uh, I like the, the body of work that he put in given that we didn't really have expectations for him and he was, he definitely exceeded and created some different expectations uh, for us. It could be, it could be much like the Alexis Diaz situation was last season. Cruz could maybe be the last guy to make the bullpen. And, you know, if he's going to make the team, he could maybe be the last guy. And then it becomes a question of what he does with the opportunity. As we saw with Alexis Diaz, he sees the opportunity and, and managed to become the closer of, of this team. Now, granted he was the only guy left with a working arm uh, that made (laughs) some room for him uh, to go out and show his stuff, but he did go out and show his stuff. I would love to see the same things for Fernando Cruz. I would love for him to be a big surprise like that, because if you can add, if he can have that kind of continued success and you can add him to those other names you just mentioned. If Lucas Sims is back and healthy, if uh, Santian is back and healthy, if Alexis Diaz continues to deliver, well, now you're getting into a bullpen. And in the comments earlier, uh, maybe it was Branch that said, you know, a good bullpen is good for probably 10 wins on top of their win total last year. And that's that's not an exaggeration. I think we tried to count it up one time and we got to around 10 of games that we think they would have won if they just weren't. Uh, running ridiculous people out there to meet Hunter their... Strickland wasn't pitching. Hunter Strickland, that's exactly where I was going. <laughs> if Hunter Strickland wasn't pitching at the end of every darn baseball game last season, they probably, <laughs> you know, hit the freaking over, and I get my money. But <laughs> that's the, that's Strickland, another like... that's another story, Jeff. That's another story. Uh, let's see here, Spencer Steer. Uh, Joseph wants to know is Spencer Steer's natural position third base. I don't think it is actually. Um, he plays all over Second. the infield. I think he likes third base. Uh, mm-hmm. He likes moving around. Uh, I think, honestly, I think Spencer Steer ultimately becomes a super utility on this team. I think that uh, if if a lot of ifs, Jeff, I'm sorry to keep doing that, but there's there's just a lot of question marks right now with all these prospects, but. If these prospects all hit at their positions, one guy is going to have to be able to be a full-time player, but do it by giving guys days off and moving around. And I think the logical choice in that is Spencer Steer. I think he's going to become uh, a full-time player uh, playing in a different position every day. I believe, and somebody can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe he played second base mostly. Uh, throughout his minor league career in the Twins organization and for the tiny little bit he was in the Reds farm system before he got called up last year. Uh, I think it's second base, but I'm pretty sure whenever they called him up, they told him that plan, what you just laid out and said, look, like your value to us is going to be in your uh flexibility and your ability to move around the diamond and so he's like all right let's go let's get my mind right i'm not going to have to worry about one specific position so it will be interesting to see when they sit him in a specific position how he can flourish at the plate i love our commenters i love our viewers jeff (laughs) kenneth says good point steven not sure on what but you're smart too i love that thank you thank you all so of right about something and you're wrong nice about thing. something. I we know, just got to right? figure something out here. <laughs> got to figure out what they are. <laughs> it's going right. to be right and wrong. Right. Mr. S- is this Salus? Salus? Salus. Mr. Salus. 
Hello, mister. Thanks for viewing. Uh, who do you guys think will be the reliable hitter and pitcher we can count on? Uh, well, pitcher-wise, if we're talking about starters, uh, I think Nick Lodolo is going to pick up right where he left off. I think he's going to continue to put ace uh, performances up for the Reds during the course of 2023. I think from the bullpen, I think Alexis Diaz is not going to suffer from uh, crazy relief Soft pitcher syndrome. Stuff. I don't know what else we're going to oh, call yeah, that, yeah. but crazy relief pitcher syndrome where, you know, he's great one year and not the next. I think he's going to come out and continue to build on what he was doing. And and then from uh, the hitter side of the things, I think uh, if healthy, Tyler Stevenson is going to be the man. Uh, things are being created and, and a path forward is being made by the Reds to get Tyler Stevenson into this lineup 140 to 150 times if he's healthy. And if that happens, if he plays that many games, he is going to be the man in the four hole. I think he could hit 40 home runs. I think he could really deliver uh, for this Reds lineup. Yeah, the man who drives the run scoring machine for the Reds is Tyler Stevenson. And it's going to continue to be so long as he is healthy. And even when Ellie De La Cruz comes up, I think that Ellie De La Cruz is going to make an argument for it. But the most consistent force in the middle of the lineup is going to be Tyler Stevenson on the pitching side. I I'm very interested. And I know that it was only five starts, but if that fastball is consistent, Hunter green could just be absolutely phenomenal. And I think that he could be that most reliable option out of the rotation. And there is no other answer besides Alexis Diaz out of the bullpen. I would love for TJ Antone to return to his pre second Tommy John surgery form. But I, I still think that it's Alexis Diaz until proven otherwise. So let me throw a couple comments up here before we talk about it, Jeff. Uh, Cincy Mail, thanks for watching, asks uh, Joey Votto to be the new batting coach. And then we'll, right behind that is BR7 with what do we think Joey Votto will do after his baseball days are over? Uh, he, <laughs> BR7 says he hopes that Joey does stand-up comedy. He's a hoot. First of all, I agree. I, I think we were robbed of so many years of seeing Joey Votto's real personality. And I am so glad that baseball changed in such a way that all of that, you got to do it the right way. Talk kind of went out the window a little bit and uh, we've started to let Joey be Joey. Uh, as yeah. to the question of what he does after, I think that's super interesting because, you know, he has a lot to offer from say a coaching standpoint being a, a hitting coach we've seen a lot you know barry larkin for a long time was a roving instructor through the reds organization uh barry larkin and eric davis go to goodyear and, and work with youngsters during spring training we've seen that but i think joey Votto is heading for the broadcast booth and i don't think it's the reds broadcast booth i think it's that joey has shown right? enough that he's going to get a deal from one of the national either on the national broadcasts for baseball or MLB network as a, a ongoing correspondent contributor. Uh, but I think that Joey Votto will be broadcasting nationally once his playing days are over. I definitely could see the hitting coach argument because I think that you could ask Joey Votto to talk hitting and I don't think he'll stop for three days. Uh, he can say so much about the art form that is hitting a baseball but I think I agree with you. I think it's going to be, and it's it's so totally different because even a couple of years ago, I would have said there's no way that he's going to do some sort of like, you know, forward facing, like he is in, on camera or he's on a microphone talking to somebody. Like I would have never thought that in a million years. And after what we saw him do during his injury last year and how he was in the booth so much and he was out in the stands sitting with fans during games and, 
just the different things that he has done, it's definitely going to be some kind of public face. They might create a talk show for him on MLB Network or something like that. Like I could definitely see that happen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Cincy Mel weighs back in says Votto for next manager. That's not happening. Let's not that. even go down that rabbit hole. We are not. He'll do that. It's not gonna do it. Hey, here's a good one from JDE Productions. Uh, I'm not sure what that is, but thanks for watching. Uh, do you think Cruz will surpass Votto, or will Cruz struggle to escape Votto's shadow? Comparatively speaking, well, listen, Joey Votto is, in my estimation, my opinion, uh, first ballot Hall of Famer uh, yep. when the time comes. Uh, there's some arguments that people want to make about that, but if they make them, they are wrong. You heard me here first, folks. Uh, so will will Ellie De La Cruz struggle to surpass that? May, I mean, you're asking him to surpass a first ballot Hall of Fame career. He's going to to surpass that. Ellie's going to have to win two MVPs. Could he do that? Probably. He's going to have to win a couple World Series. He's going to have to you know, lead the team in offensive categories and be in the top two or three and others to surpass Joey Votto's career. Uh, that's a big ask. I do think that Ellie De La Cruz will be able to come in and be the new guy and it will be his team and to be the guy that everybody associates with Cincinnati baseball. I think Ellie can do all those things, but to surpass Votto's career. I mean, that's a big ask. That's like saying, you know, you think that guy's going to come up and be better than Frank Robinson? Well, you know, <laughs> that guy was pretty good. That's 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 a big, big ask. I don't know that it's fair to well, once once the career is done for Joey Votto and once the dust settles and we kind of just sit back and look at what he has done as a red. Uh, I don't think it's going to be fair to say, can anybody do what he has done? Because he has changed what we understand a good hitter to be in reds country like the, the you know ever since the early 2000s when we're talking about money ball and talking about on base percentage and and all of this other stuff and, and it just never really clicked with reds fans as to what that meant until joey Votto started doing what he has done he is going to go down as one of the top five best players all time in cincinnati reds history and five he is going two yeah. three two three. yeah yeah i'm uh, saying no, like five. he's one of the best players. yeah <laughs> Easily top five, but definitely argument for top three. And when it comes to expecting anybody else to do that, I don't know that I want to tell a kid that whenever he's first starting in his career. Like, it's not going to be fair to him, and it's definitely not going to be fair to Joey Votto because Ellie De La Cruz's career is going to be so vastly different. Like, there's there's going to be a lot more in the running department steals and, and, and what he does in the field and the acrobatics that I think we will see in, on defense and things like that. He is not a guy that is going to be that just like stalwart on base machine. I think the on base stuff is going to come with how well he hits. He's not a patient hitter. That is one thing that when you talk to people about him, he's a very aggressive swinging hitter at the plate. And maybe that gets taken advantage of a little bit and it damages career, but he's not going to be Joey Votto. And I don't think anybody really is ever going to be again. I, I agree. Let me give you a, uh one jeff and then i'm gonna scroll we're fast running out of time here we've uh we've been going for a while uh, i'll give you this one and then i'll go find us a couple more as we begin to to look towards the finish line here you guys are amazing with your comments and questions this is my favorite episode to do every week uh as i keep telling you i just it, i'm having a blast i could do this all day long uh james barrymore uh checks in again and says could you see the red signing tyler stevenson to a team friendly extension yeah 
Uh, in fact, I think that that would be the best thing that they could do. Like if you look at the remaining free agents and people that they could acquire and things like that, I don't think that there's anybody they could bring into the team that would be a more impactful move than signing Tyler Stevenson to an extension right now. You could get him for the kind of money, because we always talk about what the Braves do with their guys, with Ronald Acuna and with Ozzy Albies and all these guys that they sign well before they break out and they're able to have them that sure. Okay. These first couple of years that they're making 12 or 13 or 14 million, you're like, boy, that's a lot for a kid this young that hasn't proven anything, but then he proves it. And you're like, oh my gosh, he's getting paid half as much as he should be getting paid right now. Like Ronald Acuna is giving the Braves money with the deal that he signed a couple of years ago. So I think that the Reds would be wise to explore something like that, if not this offseason, maybe during the season, and inking him to a year where maybe they buy out the first couple of years of his free agent eligibility. Ronnie Snyder makes a great point. We were talking about Reds All-Stars. If the Reds win, fans will stuff the ballots for the most deserving players. I remember in the 70s, Big Red Machine days, Reds fans are arguably the most passionate fans. They will vote. Okay, I do agree. However, voting has changed. You don't vote at the ballpark anymore. So, you know, it's very easy to vote vote however many times they let you from your mobile device. It's five Uh, times a day. That being said, I I agree with the spirit of this point though, Jeff, if Tyler Stevenson goes out and has 25 home runs by the all-star break, uh, I think that could be enough to siphon votes away from people that otherwise would just stuff the box for, you know, other, other guys that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I heard what I said. Um, uh, Would just, uh, you know, put lots of votes in for other people. So, um, that, a sign? that might be a sign. <laughs> talk, talk, talk. <laughs> the, the only thing that I, I worry about is I think that Sean Murphy is going to have a fantastic year for the Braves. I mean, he was a pretty good catcher for the Oakland A's and the Oakland A's weren't going anywhere at all. And they made the weirdest trade ever. Like we haven't really talked about that trade because the reds aren't involved in it, but the three-way trade that sent, uh, Wilson Contreras or William Contreras from Atlanta to Milwaukee, Sean Murphy from Oakland to Atlanta and somebody who I'm blanking on from Milwaukee to Oakland. And then a couple of other prospects went to Oakland, like Oakland got hosed in that deal. I don't know why they made the deal. They absolutely got less than they should have gotten for Sean Murphy and Atlanta made out like bandits. Like they're, their team is set and they signed them to another extension that Atlanta always signs people to that. They now have their roster set for like the next five years. If they don't trade max free, like there are some rumors that they might do. So I, I look at this and I say that Sean Murphy is going to be a fantastic catcher in the national league might be the best catcher in the national league, not named Tyler Stevenson. Hopefully Tyler Stevenson stays healthy and puts himself in that argument. But I, I think that, if I were to say who I think gets picked for catcher for all-star this year in the national league, I think it's going to be Sean Murphy. Hey, Darlene Martinez checks in for those that don't know who Darlene Martinez is. She lives here on the big Island lifelong Reds fan and uh, kind of adopted me. I'm the nephew. I think she never realized she was going to end up with, Uh, but she says, how ole makahiki ho that's happy new year, folks. Happy new year. Darlene She says we did a great job this year. Pronounce Maley. It's because it's Miley. It's Hawaiian. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, stop it. <laughs> stop it. I know. I'm going to screw that up all year. It's going to be thanks, really, Darlene. Thanks really, for checking really, in. really bad. Darlene, thanks for watching. We appreciate you. Uh, 
And yeah, that's my family earlier on, Mikey and 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 Faith Ann and all that stuff. Those are my cousins. So what's up, guys? Hey, let's let's end with this one from Joseph Nelson. Let's wrap up here uh, with this question. Just wondering, did you guys play ball in your high school days? Uh, because I'm curious, Jeff, if you played and if there were any misadventures like you falling off the rowing machine at the at the gym. <laughs> did you have did you have any baseball misadventures also? I don't know that they were misadventures, but I will say this. I did play in high school. I was fantastic at stealing other team signs. And there was nobody better on the field at anything than I was at picking sunflower seed flavors. I was the kind of guy that you wanted on your team because you were going to be supported every time you came back to the dugout. The kind of, I mean, the the ranch, uh, the buffalo, I'll tell you what, barbecue flavor, not too bad. It's a little bit underrated. Ranch is the best, of course. But uh, yeah, you wanted me on your team because you were going to know. I, I once got our coach into not a fight. They didn't fight but a very loud shouting match with another coach because I knew when they were stealing and we kept throwing their guys out and they wouldn't change their signs. And no, I'm not talking about, uh, I'm not talking about uh, electronically stealing signs here, but yeah, yeah, I will. I kind of had you pegged as the guy with the laptop keeping the stats, but okay. I'll take that answer. You were the, no, not the, quite. <laughs> for me, uh, I played first base. Uh, my true love was playing catcher, but, being left-handed um that was a challenge to get coaches to let me do it um i did have a left-handed catcher's mitt i would manage to to beg my way into the game behind the plate every once in a while but mostly first base little relief pitching uh i was a slap hitter guys not a lot of power but i could put the ball in the gaps all day long and uh uh, didn't play beyond high school other than beer league softball, but that is a conversation for another day, Jeffrey. About the I was beer very form, antics. I was very form focused. I had a problem with like just doing things. Like my coach would always tell me, "Stop thinking about it and just do it." And I'd be like, "Well, you know, you got to get the right form on your throw and the swing. You got to make sure." And, and I just it, it never really clicked. I had a big looping swing like Adam Dunn, except it was way slower and a lot less power. <laughs> Wow. A lot less power. All right, Jeff, <laughs> let's put a pin in it right there. We have hit the almost hour, 20 minute mark. Let's go ahead and wrap it up for all of you guys that have uh, hung with us today and are here every Aloha Friday. Thank you so much. You know, I keep saying it's my favorite episode of the week. Uh, we're going to continue to try to do these every single Friday at 1.30 PM Eastern. Uh, keep coming with the, the hot takes and the questions and the comments. Uh, we're going to only expand this as we get closer and closer to the regular season. And then uh, I think Jeff and I are cooking up some interesting ways to incorporate the lives into the regular season, uh, maybe during games or immediately after some games where we can mm -hmm. just kind of all get together and vent about uh, what we just saw on the field. Uh, with that being said, Jeff, take us home. Thanks a lot, Steve. And thanks everybody for joining us here on this live edition of the Aloha live Aloha edition of the Lockdown Reds podcast. It's easy for Make you sure to say. you follow it. Yeah, easy for me to say. Make sure you follow us on all platforms, including right here on YouTube. If this is your first time, uh, click the follow button and click the bell to get notified whenever we've got new content for you because there will be content all off season all the way leading up to spring training, all the way through spring training, all the way through next season, literally all year long guys we will have you covered on the cincinnati reds because we love the cincinnati reds and steve we are what we are locked on reds every single day see you next week
Hey, Prime members, you can listen to this Locked On podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.